coaches of the world. Welcome back to the Coaches Rising podcast. And this is episode number 15. Um, I'm Joel, and this podcast is all about being an extraordinary coach. Each episode, I'm going to be speaking with master coaches and experts on that topic. And today, I'm going to be speaking with Rand Stegen, who is the founder of Stegen. It's a company that works to develop leaders, to develop seasoned leaders. Uh, they work with some really big CEOs. And what I like about the company is that they think in long time frames and deep transformation. So they'll often be working with the leaders for multiple years, sometimes even more than 10 years at a time. And Today we're going to be talking about an internal coaching model that Rand developed with others and I saw it and I thought this is cool. I, I, it, it taps into something that I've been thinking about and I, I'd love other coaches to know about it. So that's what we're going to unpack today is like what is this model and what are the different um, ways that you can coach you know, uh, from different parts of the model. Now I'll just unpack it very briefly. Um, so imagine that there's four stages. The bottom stage is, is like what he calls friend coaching. And we'll talk about what are the healthy sides to that and unhealthy sides. Above that, you've got performance coaching. So we're all about getting results. And we'll talk about the healthy and unhealthy parts of that. And then above that, you've got two, two uh, types of coaching, facilitative coaching, which is all about deploying a certain process or technique or theory. A lot of coaches coach from that place. And then we've also got mentor coaching. Uh, and then above that, you've got transformational coaching. And that's quite a rare place to coach from, according to Rand. And we're going to talk about what, what is that? You know, what are some of the qualities of this transformational coaching? I personally feel that more and more people I meet are passionate about coaching from this place and they're passionate about doing the deep work that it takes to coach from this place. So I won't say more about it. I'm going to let you find out um, by listening to the interview. Just to say again, if you like this and the other podcast, I'd love to get the word out. Um, so, you know, please let people know. Uh, other coaches, or you can head to coachesrising.com forward slash podcast on each podcast page there. You'll find a share button. You can just click that and share away and make me happy. <laughs> so let's dive in. So great to be with you today, Rand. Uh, I'm really excited to kind of dive in and explore this topic. How's things with you? Yeah, things are great here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to spend some time exploring uh, some of the ideas that you have around transformational presence and what that means to you and what that might mean to this conversation. And so I'm mm. uh, just happy to be here. Great, great. Well, just to set a little bit of context, you know, I've been exploring this topic, becoming a transformational presence, and I'll set a bit of context for that too. But we have a mutual friend. I was telling him all about this, you know, this becoming a transformational presence. And he said, you've got to check out something that, that Rand has, has shown me. And it's this developmental kind of coaching model. And, and when I looked at that, you know, I saw something in there that really inspired me. You, you kind of define these different kind of approaches or, or stages uh, to coaching. And at the top was this uh, transformational coaching piece. And, and some of the ingredients in there really spoke to, to, uh, to me. So that's why I reached out to you and we're here right now. Um, 
Um, let me let me say a few things. I want to ask you the questions, but I want to I'll say a few things before I ask my first one. And so, for me, I had some conversations with coaches in the like leading coaches in in the field of training coaches, and um, they kept I kept I noticed this trend like they kept on talking about this space beyond our training, uh, beyond the need to get results. Uh, beyond the need to to help your clients even and it was a space usually they, they kind of started talking about this space of presence where in some way the coach would be surrendering into that space and relinquishing the need to to get results and so that really grabbed me you know and that's what I've been exploring um, and you know in my own coaching it's been a, a, a something that's really um, I've been exploring you know what is it like when I'm able to Yes, I bring all my expertise and my training. I don't, I don't abandon it, but I'm able to surrender that and, and kind of open to this the unknown and this kind of unfolding emergent quality between myself and my client where it feels like really uh, like, like something new can come in. And so that's a bit of context. When I saw this model you had, I just wanted to speak to you. So perhaps we could just start if you want. Yeah. Do you want to say something? Or? Yeah, it's yeah, a... I've said, uh, I've said a lot there. So. No, it's just a uh, good setting some context here. The, uh, the, the model that, you, uh, mm. that you've had an opportunity to look at is, is an internal model for the Stegen Leadership Academy. And we originally developed that as, a, uh, as an attempt to try to objectify or codify you know, the, the different capabilities that we were experiencing in the recruiting of coaches into our system. And so for the last 18 years, we've been doing uh, what, we, what we early on were describing as transformational coaching, transformational development, uh, and with the benefit of many of the maps that, that you're familiar with and, and many of the people that might be watching this video uh, have access to and Ken Wilbur and quadrants and levels and lines and adult development, we started to build and I started to build a, a much more uh, nuanced understanding and appreciation for what that word transformation can mean when it's not used in the cliche typical um, typical application where in the market there's a lot of people positioning themselves as doing quote transformational work and uh, in, in my assessment now with the benefit of, uh, of many uh, many years of doing this work uh, tran true transformation, in, uh, in, in the context of coaching, in the context of an individual, a team, or an organization uh, is, is something that's pretty rare is, uh, in my observation. It's, um, it's very, um, it's, it requires a time horizon. In most cases, that is beyond the, the, the typical, um, with, with leadership development, uh, it's often done as an event. We're going to go and do a one-day or a two-day or maybe even a five-day event. We might create an altered state, but that's not creating a transformation in the stage of the, uh, of the leader. And then and often coaching, uh, coaching might be a six-month coaching or a one-year coaching program. And that also um, can, can definitely create uh, conditions for the transformation. Um, and, and if the client and the coach meet at a time when the client's ready to make that move, it can be the sort of catalyst for a move that has been, let's call it, uh, let's call it percolating or, mm. or marinating for maybe years. Uh, but most of our experience 
and doing coaching with leaders uh, is about multi-year and even multi-decade uh, relationships to create the opportunity for the, the transformation as we would define it. So that model, um, and we can unpack that model a little bit today at a conceptual level, that model is really for us to try to get, um, to try to get a better way to assess the capabilities that different coaches have. And every coach that, um, that we meet, we can now try to correlate what we're experiencing in them in our conversation in interviews with them against this model and go, oh, so they're demonstrating a, a capability to do a particular kind of coaching. Yeah. The transformational coaching is something that is, uh, like I said, it's actually pretty rare, uh, at least in our experience. Sadly. Yeah, maybe it would be useful to kind of give a very quick, uh, if you're open to that, like uh, you said, it's an internal model, so I don't know how much you... You know, I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy yeah. to share. It's a uh, it's an yeah. internal model until I guess this conversation. So uh, <laughs> no, we're I'm putting you on the spot here. So yeah. So um, so so how would you like to would you like to just do a quick overview of yeah the, very quick and then let's kind of zoom in on on, on certain aspects of it. So. Sure. So let, let's use the the frame of uh, of coaching also being able to overlay to the idea of uh, of a developmental framework. And so in our model, we, uh, we somewhat arbitrarily selected four levels of coaching capacity. And at the bottom of the, uh, of the framework is a, a particular kind of coaching, which we would suggest is the, um, is the least complex of the four, um, and yet still has, uh, still has a, um, a, a service and still is something that can be very valuable and very useful when deployed. And that we, uh, we call the friend coaching. And each of these labels actually ties to the idea of validation, at least for, through the first three levels. And so when we said is I would meet coaches and I would, um, and I would talk to their clients and their clients would tell me, Oh, I, I just, I love my coach. We are such great friends. I, I know their family. I know uh, everything about their life. We just have such a great relationship, such a great rapport. And, and I would get these reports of this, this friendship, very genuine friendship that was reported both between the coach and between the client. And I was like, huh. It, when I would talk to the client, I would ask the client about the changes that, would ha that have happened in them since doing this coaching. And it would be difficult for them to report any changes because they were very consumed with the, the friendship. And then when we explored this, we, um, we tried to objectify it and say, oh, so at that level of coaching, the coach is actually um, seeking a, some form of validation that the coach is doing a good job. And the validation is, oh, I'm able to create a friendship with the client. That's, that's, that's actually, um, there, like I said, there's some positives and limitations in, uh, in, in these lower levels, uh, but I don't want to, I don't want to marginalize that because that kind of coaching is happening in the world and it's important and it's, and it's useful. Mm. Then above that, we actually get to the coaches that are, we call the performance coach and the performance coach is not actually looking for validation as to does my client quote, like me, are we friends, but is my client actually getting results? And it was fascinating, Joel, because I actually was able to, uh, I was able to really anchor this particular performance coaching, not through uh, executive coaching, but through a experience I had with a, uh, with a trainer at, at, the, uh, at the gym that I was working out with years ago. His name was Darius. And Darius was a performance trainer 
and uh, doing personal training with, in the gym with weights with his clients. And when his clients weren't willing to do the work to create the results that he felt they could create, he actually would fire his clients. And I would say to him, I'd say, Darius, you can't fire. These people are paying you hourly. He says, yes, I can if they don't meet my standard because his standard wasn't friendship. His standard was results. And his sense of uh, identity in a positive way and his sense of, uh, of validation was I'm going to be validated that I'm doing a good job because the people I'm working with are actually getting results. I'll use some achiever language, putting points on the board, getting results. And that performance coaching, we, we want our coaches at Stegen to be able to have uh, healthy relationships and, and, and at times maybe even some level of friendship with their clients. And we definitely want them to be able to uh, have accountability and help clients in our context create results and have performance. But what we realized is that certain coaches that could only do the performance coaching at level two and couldn't go to the level three and, and maybe through time to the level four, which is transformation, we, we, were, um, we weren't seeing the right fit. And so what came online is that third level, which is now the validation is not coming from uh, a sense of friendship or a sense of uh, results, but a sense of um, validation that I'm able to deploy uh, processes. Maybe I get certified in a particular process, a coaching process, mm. and then I'm able to deploy that coaching process and it works and it helps. And, it, and the validation is, wow, I deployed my process. I went and got that certification and I've now deployed this process and it worked. I feel good about myself because it's working. And by the way, the, when I use validation, I'm using that in a, in a positive way that, that these are people who really want to serve. They want to contribute. They want to make a difference. And they're, the feedback mechanism of whether they're making a difference is, am I, am I a friend? Am I creating results? Or am I deploying either my processes or my life experiences in such a way? And we sort of call this a mentor coach, if the mentor is, is dispensing life experiences, oh, I've been there before, let me share some of the learning I had, and so I'm dispensing the life experience and getting a validation that my life experience is contributing to others, mentorship, very nice. And then the other side of that, we have sort of two, level, two labels at, um, at level three, and the other one is what we call facilitative coaching, where I'm facilitating or I'm mentoring at level three, but the validation is still around. I'm deploying my process or my life experience. And by the way, that right there, level three is very deep work. It's meaningful work. Um, this is where most of the, uh, of the really uh, senior coaches that we meet are actually able to play at. They're able to do the performance coaching and they're able to move into the facilitative or mentor coaching. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and in our world, that, um, that, that's, actually, uh, that's actually a very, uh, very effective way to deploy coaching. Now, we built this fourth level, what we call the transformational coaching that you started the call with. And I'm going to suggest that this fourth level might even be, um, might even be more theoretical for us um, the way that we've defined it, uh, more aspirational as opposed to, oh, yeah, all of our coaches at Stegen are at level four, mm -hmm. set a really high bar. And this bar 
is validation disappears. Validation is no longer um, an orientation of the coach. The coach isn't looking for feedback to validate her or to validate him. The coach is simply present to the work and present to doing the work. And, and this is where it gets really, uh, this is where it gets really exciting and, uh, and fascinating uh, and aspirational. At least I'll speak for myself. Um, I still have, as a practitioner, um, a lot of attachments to outcomes. Mm. I still have a, a great sense of like validation of, look, we've got models and frameworks and curriculum and like we helped and I still uh, pat myself on the back and I, uh, when I'm by myself, if I'm honest and say, well, I'm, I'm really quite proud of the fact that we were able to help that individual or that team or that organization. And that's feedback for me that I'm far from the way we define a transformational presence because a transformational presence um, ideally has no attachment to outcomes. That means doing work and not, um, not being oriented to whether the work is actually working. Mm. It's just being with the work. And then someone would say, well, how do you know if your client's happy? And from this level, the, the, the uh, answer might be, um, I'm not concerned with whether my client's happy. I'm not concerned with whether my client's satisfied. I'm not concerned with whether my client thinks that he or she is actually getting value from the coaching. I'm simply present to the work, the best that I can be, and that's all I'm oriented to. Now, mm. the, the other dimension of this transformational level is that with each level, the patience, and you can see on the model, the patience goes up. So I move from, uh, from a time horizon at the lower level that's about like this session, I want feedback on how I'm doing to being able to maybe move into months and then maybe be able to move into years. But when a, a coach is able to be operating from this place of transformational presence, the time horizon is indefinite. Mm. And maybe even at the highest level, time just collapses. There is no, there is no time. And one of our, um, one of our, uh, our, our mentors in this process that we worked with, um, really, when he talks about time, he talks about time not in uh, years or decades or even centuries, but, and this is, this is my experience, this is very genuine for him, he looks at time in the context of 14 billion years and mm -hmm. says, in the context of, of, of 14 billion years and Big Bang, you know, this, this, this coaching relationship, this one conversation is just a speck in, in, the, in the sort of arc of humanity. And so there isn't so much to get hijacked over or, or consumed by because there's, um, there's just an indefiniteness of, uh, of the time. And then interestingly, the, the um, identity with self actually also um, starts to, uh, starts to, disappear so at the highest levels there really isn't this self-identity which therefore there's no need for validation because mm. uh, i if it's not about me i don't need to be validated you know what's it about it's about the work and to your point being present to the work and being present to the transformation and then one last thing and then i'll throw it back to you mm. i used to think as a uh, as a coach and as a uh, as a facilitator and as a, a practitioner I used to think it was my responsibility because it's because this is what we do for a living. It was my responsibility to ensure that value was created. And my 
orientation early on in my career was that the value had to be created from me, the coach, mm. to you, the client. And I was doing quite a bit of facilitative coaching and mentor coaching uh, when I had that paradigm, let's call it 10 or maybe 12 years ago. And what I've been working with and what I've been letting to work me, because it's, it's working me, is this idea that maybe as Scott Peck in A Road Less Traveled defines love, that maybe love and transformation and presence is about either you, the client, me, the coach, or both of us. But if, if, if spiritual growth is happening for one of us or both of us, then love and, and spiritual growth is present. And, and so now I give myself, when I'm at my best, I give myself permission to say, maybe what's happening in this session with the client um, is actually not about the client. Maybe it's about my growth. Um, maybe it's about her growth. Maybe it's about our growth. But I'm able to hold, um, I'm able to hold an orientation where I'm not, I'm not looking for the, the feedback that it's, that it's working, that it's valuable. And this is really tricky because the people who are watching this are, are appropriately going to be saying, but wait a second, if I don't care about whether the client's happy because the ultimate, the ultimate sort of uh, orientation in, in our model would be non-attachment to outcomes and no need for validation and just present in the moment then how do I actually operate a business if I want to have a coaching practice? And this is where all the paradoxes come online. You know, is it, is it that I can have a breakthrough in my practice by no longer having an attachment to the outcome of the practice? Or it, it's, it, this is where it gets, yeah. it's beyond my capacity to articulate. So I'll put it yeah. back to you. Well, I, I, yeah, I love that. I mean, I'm totally lit up by the way you talk about this and, as you speak about that space where it's like there's a complete non-attachment and it's like, is this about my growth or theirs or when it becomes irrelevant in a way, it feels like it's about the evolution of consciousness on in some level. And how can, you know, being at that place where, where we we're not concerned about it on a kind of egoic level in some way. And um, there's a, and there's yeah. a, there's a, it's not concerned on an egoic level. And also when I, when I met this, um, this mentor years ago and we, and, and he, I believe he actually does operate at the transformational level and a big part of that model at the higher, uh, at, at the higher, uh, definitions was, was me interviewing him and talking to him about his experience at coaching from that transformational presence. And, and, and he would say to me, uh, that, that he, he does the work when the energy in the client, when there's energy for, from them to do their work, because at the lower levels, um, there's almost a sense of responsibility like Darius, my trainer, where like Darius was getting paid. And so he felt responsible to put energy in for my work. Uh, a, a traditional coach or a traditional consultant might be actually hired to do accountability coaching and to drive the client, put energy in for the client. Uh, and at the transformational level, uh, what I believe happens is that the client um, has the energy for the work and that energy is then meeting the coach and the coach isn't having, because it's not about the coach, the coach isn't having to put energy in and, uh, and the patience that it takes to coach from this level is, is pretty extraordinary because mm. 
I, I would, I said to this, um, I mentioned A Road Less Traveled, that book was, was very, uh, in, an important part of my journey. And I came upon this book about five to six years into my mentorship with this transformational coach. And I said, I said to him one day, I said, this book, it's almost as, it's almost as if several chapters in this book are, are directly part of the conversation we've been having for five years in our mentoring, in his mentoring of me. And I said, are you familiar with this book? And he smiled and he said, you know, of course I'm familiar with that book. And he said, that book was one of the most important books for me that was a catalyst for my own transformation. And I looked at him and I said, well, why haven't you told me about this book? We've been working together for five years. And he said to me, if I had told you about the book, I would have robbed you of the experience of finding that book on your own and then being able to come to me with the book in this conversation with the insights that you have. And who, who am I to actually rob you of that? And, and I'll, I will be honest with you, if one of my clients could really benefit from a particular book and they're in pain and they're struggling, and I really do think that grabbing that book off the bookshelf and giving it as a recommendation to them would help them, I today will give them the book. I will make the recommendation. And by the way, I will feel a great sense of validation exactly. when they call me and tell me how great the book was and how it's changed their life and it's exactly what they needed. And thank you so much, Rand. And there's Rand still mm. caught in the sort of need for validation mm. because I don't have 14 billion years of patience. I'm just not there yet. And maybe I won't be there in this lifetime, I don't know. You know, I'm a work in progress. Yeah. Well, it really does feel like deep spiritual work to me as you talk about this in a sense that we all have this need for validation. And as you talked about those stages, I thought of models like Keegan's models with the different needs of validation that people might have at these stages for people who are listening and know those. And, um, and Susan Cook Reuters, yeah. a model that talks about time horizon, and, exactly. and, and time span moving to you know, higher and higher levels until time collapses at the top. Right. And, and the, the, we, we as coaches have to do deep, deep work in order to be able to sit in that space where we, where we are not motivated by um, a, a sense of validation or a need to perform, you know, to have that level of freedom and openness, then, then it's going to require us to have done the work. And I, I guess I get curious what it's like to be in relationship with somebody like that, you know, who, who is, is completely non-attached to the way that this all plays out. And that paradoxically, and you've alluded to this already, that on one level you might say, well, what's the point in all of that? He doesn't care about anything or she doesn't care about anything. So that's not a good coach. But then, uh, yes, yes. But it actually, is a, it is a frustrating and inspiring relationship. Right. I just kind of think of this archetype of the magician or the alchemist who on one level you could perceive them as not being a good coach, but on another level, something is awake inside of them. And if I come into relationship with that, it may evoke something inside of me and it's, and what it evokes feels like it's very natural. You know, it's not like they're not corralling my development or imposing on my development in any way. There's a kind of, you know, a requisiteness to the way it unfolds. Right. And this is in this this relationship. Now I'm on my 12th year with him is and as I as I playfully say, it's um, it's it's both incredibly inspiring. And I'm very grateful to have uh, a person like this in my life as a guide. Um, and it, at times is very frustrating because my 
my, my urgency, my patience is um, often gets the best of me. And he is, uh, he, as he describes it at least, or as I hear him, he, uh, he, he suggests that as a coach from a transformational place, he doesn't have an agenda. So it's not his agenda to make me a better leader. It's, it's my work to step into what's next for me and he's putting little breadcrumbs down for me. And sometimes I am ready for the breadcrumb and sometimes I'm not. And if I'm not ready for the breadcrumb, then maybe next year or maybe in five years. And he'll say to me, you know, I've, I'm quite surprised that you have progressed this far on this particular topic or dimension. Uh, and I said, well, you didn't think I could, I could get here? He goes, I wasn't sure. And I said, but the whole time you've known that, that, that these three steps I've taken in the last two years were steps that were likely needed for me? He says, of course. And I say, and you're not going to tell me any of this, right? And he's like, nothing. I mean, he, he doesn't, he just asks great questions. Mm -hmm. And it, and, and his ability to ask questions is, is, is often, as he describes it, an ability to be present to what's going on with me. I'm just going to be, I'll play the client. So mm -hmm. if I'm the client, he's very committed to being tuned into what's going on for me physically. He's, he's, he's always mm -hmm. asking about my body. He's yeah. asking about my, um, where I'm holding my stress. He's noticing things. He's inviting me to, uh, to sometimes slow down, sometimes speed up, to sometimes be more reflective. And so there's a lot of observation and it's in many ways sort of micro uh, level observation that uh, that allows him to assert a transformational energy through inquiry, but inquiry that can at times be so provocative and at times be so eye-opening and at times be so painful that, um, that I will sometimes say, you know, on a scale of one to 10, if 10 was, you know, the most challenging you could be, that stung and I'm, you know, basically crying right now. Um, what kind of level was that? And he'll, he'll smile. He'll say, you know, three, you know, on a scale of one to 10. It's so it's a, I don't even really know the full potential in my own experience of what this transformational coaching as we're defining it mm -hmm. um, really looks like when it's fully expressed. Cause I'm, I'm only 12 years into a relationship with someone who I believe is coming from that place. So one of the things that has been exciting me is, is like this idea of self as instrument, you yeah. know, and, and that, yeah the facets of that, yeah, you know, my own psychological development, but my emotional development, my sensitivity. So in my own life, I've been on this mission to, to kind of, to explore my embodied life and to sensitize myself so that when I am with my clients, there is a lot of this kind of like, what's, what's happening right now? And we're exploring in the moment, the unfoldingness of, of being together. In all the ways that shows up, you know, again, it's not just about being in the, in body, the, the body realm. It's, it's also thinking and, and, and emotions and how that all shows up in this intertwined field. Um, so, so, again, that you, you speak about this, it, it really excites me. And it's a, it's, it's that, that articulation is, uh, is my experience. It's the, the capacity, self as instrument, the capacity to... Uh, and this is another paradox that I, I, I find myself struggling with in this conversation in a good way. Uh, this, this idea that as a transformational presence, it's, it's, it's not about me. It's no longer about me. And it's all about me. 
So wait a second, it's not about me, but yet it's all about me. And that's something I've been, mm, I've been holding as a, not as a, not as a problem to solve. You know, you talk about Keegan, but as a tension to be, uh, to just be experienced mm. it, it, this, this constant, like you talk about self as instrument. So if, if self is instrument is, is I'm the instrument. So it's, so therefore it's all about the instrument. It's all about me, but it's not about me. Mm. I need to be able to, I need to be able to live in that space of tension between those two statements that, uh, that allows me to just be, just be, and the, uh, and the other, uh, the other dimension of this is like, well, where is the work? Well, the work is where the work is. Well, what if, uh, what if, so I, when I talked to this, to this mentor of mine, you know, at the time years ago, he was coaching a, a an ex, let's call it a CEO, an executive of a company large, a hundred thousand employees, 150,000 employees. So he plays at this, you know, very, very high level at times in business coaching. And then he also coached uh, at the time was coaching a, a CEO of a nonprofit with 15 employees. And, and the achiever in me was like, I don't understand that. You're, you're working with someone who has 100,000 employees and you're working with someone who's got you know, a dozen or so employees. Why aren't you only working with the person who's got the big company coming from an achiever logic? Mm. And, and he wouldn't answer these questions, but what I've been uncovering for myself in this is that go where the work is and more of that work will emerge. And whether that work is work that's, you know, someone's getting paid $5,000 for, or someone's getting paid $50,000 for, or $500,000, it's being able to build. And this is about being present, being able to be present to where the work is and where the energy is for the work. And without evaluation about whether this is, um, this is good for my practice, bad for my practice, good for my business, bad for my business. And that's where it gets very, uh, it gets very slippery for me because I am like many of the people, you know, I am genuinely trying to, uh, build a business and, uh, build a platform for my employees and for take care of my family and they can take care of their family. So there is a pragmatic dimension of coaching that's around the economics. So if I don't care about the economics and I just go where the work is, then I might not actually be able to do this work. But if I, but if I am too focused on one over the other, there's, a, there's, there's more tensions in there. There's more polarities in here. Mm. And so um, even as I'm describing it, I'm noticing you know, how much work I have to do on this uh, so that I could articulate it in the, in the time ahead in maybe a little bit more uh, skillful way. So. Well, I appreciate what you're saying because it's, it's very human, you know, it's like, and I think of like this part of us, which is aspiring to evolve and, uh, and serve. And that's playing out in both the ways you're describing and that tension is just there. And it's, you know, I want to say I resonate with, with a lot of what you're saying. I totally see that need to be validated in, in my own coaching at times and how that shows up. You know, when somebody tells me that was just fantastic, you know, and, and I feel lit up inside and it's like, yes, exactly. <laughs> And, and so there's something about that tension that you're talking about. Like, yeah, I've got to put food on the table, not just for me, but, but for the people that work for me. And, 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 then, and, then, and then here's another, you know, another part of the, the transformational work is that the, the, when there's not an exchange, 
now let's let's talk about money as as energy when there's not an appropriate exchange and there isn't uh, and there isn't skin in the game I'll, I'll kind of use some business talk here if there isn't skin in the game from the client um, the, mm. the the likelihood of transformation goes down and so another you know statement from uh, from this transformational coach uh, and he said to me I said how is it that you are able to reconcile because I, I couldn't I couldn't really make sense years ago of the economics of his coaching. He was he would charge quite a bit for his coaching in, in, in some cases, and he he said to me something that's that's been a really big part of my uh, my my development. And he said, Rand, when people pay relative to them a lot for coaching, they pay a lot. Like wow, it's a lot of money to coach uh, in that uh, in that six months or in that one year. He said, when people pay a lot for something, they look for a lot of value because they're paying a lot. So they look for a lot of value. They have high expectations. And lo and behold, when somebody looks for something, they find what they're looking for. They find that value. And I think we've all had this experience where we charge somebody as coaches, we charge somebody a, a very small amount relative to, to their means, their ability. And they don't really, you know, they're like, ah, oh, you know, it's pretty, I got a coach, it's pretty good versus, wow, this was, this was a, a big commitment financially for me. I'm going to make sure that I get a lot of value and I'm going to look for the very thing that I'm expecting, which is value. And I'm going to actually then be able to experience the value. And mm -hmm. so part of what I'm learning is the, the capacity to, uh, to invite somebody in to a level of commitment that is expressed uh, in, in one domain is expressed in, in the, in the financials. And so part of this is if, if to play at the sort of transformational place, there's this movement beyond money, but there's this movement that suggests if you're not being paid, um, at, at, at once again, relative to whoever I'm talking about at very high levels, then maybe you're not actually doing the transformational work. It's like, how do you, how do you sort of require a threshold of, of, of money and economics, not for the money, but actually to step into that more transformational space because there's a level of commitment that otherwise might not be there. And so, um, so, so when time disappears up here, sort of money disappears also, and then there's more money than anyone would have to worry for their situation because they're no longer worried about money. There's then it, but how do you get to that place? It's the chicken or the egg. It's um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, like I said, uh, it's, it's still working me years later. Well, there's a lot of those paradoxes, you know, it's like, again, if I stop caring about my client's growth, then I feel more open and more relaxed and, and I coach better, you know, like something yep. can come through me. So it's, it's all gets quite paradoxical and, I kind of just thought as you were sharing that about the money, because I totally agree, you know, it's like that level of commitment is so powerful. And like, I just thought of these parables you get of, you know, the, the Zen master and, and or the, the teacher and the, the student comes and they have to go through those, you know, trials and tribulations and come back year after year before they get the teaching. And it, it's a slightly different example, but, it, but it's, you know, that's, creating that level of commitment, isn't it? They're testing the person. Are you, are you truly committed to this work? Are you, are you truly ready? And I think that the example you gave around money is, is similar. It's not about the money, but it's about what it evokes, that transformational space that it invites the, the client into. 
Yeah, and and the uh, and the time horizon still is, uh, I think, so central to this to this kind of work. So here I am talking about my relationship with my mentor and saying, you know, we're 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 only twelve years in, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful, and I'm just I'm just beginning. And if you were to say to me, you know, hey Rand, in the Stegen Leadership Academy annual course catalog, we profile different companies, and one of the companies that uh, that that we've profiled is uh, is a bank in Oklahoma called First United Bank. And Greg Massey is the uh, is the CEO of this bank. He's got a maybe about 1,500 employees and about 80 locations, community banks in Texas and Oklahoma. And it, and we've been working with Greg. We just celebrated in 2016 our 10th consecutive year of having the opportunity to work with Greg and Greg's team and organization. Uh, but Greg and uh, Greg and us, some level of uh, of our team at Stegen, we've been in uh, in, in nonstop contact. Sometimes it's, it's a formal coaching. Sometimes it's uh, him digesting and, and us staying in, in conversation, but it's not formal. And then it gets formal again, but it's, it's been 10 nonstop years where Greg has been working on himself. And if you were to say, you've been working with Greg for 10 years nonstop, you know, how, how are things with Greg? I'd say it's only been 10 years. It's too early to tell. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because when I when I talked to Greg and, and I'm very grateful for this experience, the first time I met him, I said, Greg, when you think about your future as a leader in the context of transformation and change, when you think about the future, how far out can you see? And at the time, he was in his late 30s, early 40s, and um, and he looked at me, paused, and he said, I, I I can see about and I can feel about 25 years out. But after that, it gets a little fuzzy. And then he, he's very sweetly said, is that far enough? And I said, yeah, we could, we could work with that. And so I'm working and we're, my team and I are working with a human being who actually had the patience to say, I am in my 40s and I'm going to look out 25 years in the context of my own development. And so let's get started. But, you know, you use Zen. So, you know, a thousand mile journey begins with the first step, but it's still a thousand mile journey. And there is no end for Greg. It, this is, it's just, it's just being in the journey. And this is, this is, and we have very, uh, very fortunately, we have many Gregs that are willing to trust us and trust the process of being in relationship through time. And I, and I, I think that there's, um, that there's there's many different ways for this to express. I'm not I'm not su su suggesting that everyone who's listening to this should follow our business model, but I am suggesting that there is something about time horizon and and relationship through time in the transformational journey that is central to at least our experience of all this. Mm -hmm. When you talk about your mentor in the 14 billion years, and I feel like being able to hold that. And, and, and feel it pouring, pouring down through me in some way. I can feel the, I can feel the kind of the freedom, the amount of perspectives that that would allow me to be able to take rather than if I'm just concerned in a survival mode about the next six months, the next month or something. It's so different. So different. And the Course in Miracles has a great quote uh, that, that you may be familiar with. And, and, it, and, and in the Course says, infinite patience produces immediate results. Infinite patience produces immediate results. And this is, this is the, the beauty of playing with time uh, and, and being able to, uh, and being able to 
orient from this more expansive, as you're describing, this more expansive self and this more expansive uh, field of energy. Um, well, yeah, um, I think this is a great place to wrap up. And I, I'm just leaving our conversation with a lot of energy, you know, um, excitement. So I'm really grateful that we got this chance to meet yeah. and speak. Feeling is mutual. We have deep gratitude for the opportunity to be here, and I hope we can pick this up on uh, in future calls and so, sort of, you know, uh, additional builds on this because this is we didn't even scratch the surface yeah. uh, of what's of what's possible in, in this conversation from a transformational presence standpoint and uh, and also just from a, a coaching standpoint. So yeah, yeah absolutely, I, right right back at you. We'll 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 pick it up for sure. So okay, all right. Thanks thanks, Rand. Enjoy the bye rest bye. of your day. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Bye bye. Hi, it's me again. We're not done quite yet. I'd just like to say a couple of things. One is you can find more podcasts like this one at our website, plus other resources too, coachesrising.com forward slash podcasts. You'll also find some of the online programs that we run for coaches too. So check that out and I hope to see you again.